so I told him about this and I says, well, I said, I talked to this one guy he was impotent, and uh, he he was into this bondage thing where uh, his wife would tie him up with a pair of pantyhose or something, and uh, he'd go, oh, I'm trapped. Oh, look what she's doing to me. Oh, you know, she's molesting me, and uh, I can't do a thing about it because I'm tied up, Mom, Bishop, you know. And I said, I said, you know, I says, Kirk, maybe there's some way, you know, do you want to try that? He goes, yeah. I mean, I think he was beginning to realize down deep inside that, Maybe there was something wrong somewhere, you know. Oh yeah, my favorite podcast is the Sick and Wrong Podcast. Cause it's a very good podcast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's a funny, 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 funny show. Sick and Wrong Podcast. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Isan. Hello, I'm Kate Rambo. Hi. Kate Rambo, how are you feeling? Uh, I have an earache. I'm going to be knocky during this episode. No, I think your your body is like dismantling. <laughs> I know. I'm this concerned, is, yeah. I'm getting old now, man. <laughs> I know. Old. All of a sudden, like the span of two weeks, you went from like COVID to ear infection. Yeah, I have an ear infection. But the, my doctor, um, who is a lovely Indian woman, did say that it was probably because of the COVID, because it like does something to you. Is that like a, like a long-term symptom or something? No, it's just like the COVID is fucked off and it's left me with a little parting gift. It's kind of like when you have a one-night stand with somebody who you regret sleeping with and they leave you with get chlamydia. Yeah, you get the herp or the chlamydia. Well, the herp's incurable, so chlamydia. <laughs> All right, we'll go with chlamydia then. Hopefully the COVID. Yeah, the herp is. Well, I guess the co- well. COVID can come there. You can get the rebound. Like Joe Biden, didn't he have it like three times? Hasn't he not had it like 75 times? Oh, he's had herpes 75 times. He wishes. So are you concerned? Are you concerned like what's next? Like what else could happen? I didn't even think that till you just said that then. Now I'm concerned. What is next? I'm just, I look ahead. I look ahead. I'm I'm a forward thinking person. Like, have you thought about what happens if it becomes fatal? You know, ear infections can kill you. I know, exactly. So what, what do you want to do? Like, are you going to get cremated? Are you going to get buried? What, do you, what type of gravestone would you get? Have you put any kind of thought into this? You know, I did always used to think I wanted a gravestone because I used to like the idea. Well, you like cemeteries. I love cemeteries. I would love to be buried in one, and especially with an all-night grave. But now I think I just would really like to be burnt and stuffed in an urn. But a really nice urn, and eventually I'll just end up in an antique shop one day, or owned by a weirdo. That would be like a weirdo like you. That would make me happy. Well, you'd have to. Well, I guess if I'm still alive, I'd still keep the urn. You could. But then when I die, someone else would have to get it. You could shag my dead body because I won't mind. Maybe you can try a little ashes. No, like before I'm burnt up, mate. You can just have oh, a little bef- diddle if you want. Like break into the uh, the crematorium? Do you want to write it into my will? In fact, this is my living will. I, Kate Rambo, you can shag my dead body. So he just, my husband's allowed one hour. Alone time. You know, yeah, unbothered, just with the corpse. And you can do whatever you want. And you can also have a little nibble as well, if you want. What if I want this like five years after death? Well, and then you're a sicko, mate. <laughs> no, you've got to have it before. while I'm, I'm fresh, hot off the death presses. 
I too want to be cre. Well, I've always wanted to be cremated, and I've I've kind of wavered. Like I, I remember at one point, people, longtime listeners of the show might remember when I went to, I went on that cruise with my father to like Egypt. <laughs> I remember thinking like I got to write a will, and so I think my will at the time was uh, I wanted to be cremated, and my ashes pressed into the vinyl record of um of Screaming Jay Hawkins. Why Screaming Jay? Oh, I put a spell on you. It's my favorite, one of my favorite songs. And you I know just... what's better than Screaming Jay Hawkins? I put a spell on you. CCR. I put a spell on you. Don't want to argue that right now, but the originator, the original person who composed a song, still makes the best song. But anyway, I, I wanted Fogarty. to be put into his record, and then everybody would play it all the time. But then I changed my mind. Okay. Okay, Jack White. I'm glad you did. Well, because a record could just be like you can put it on a shelf and forget about it. Yeah. So that's that's the, the 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 reason why I like an urn, like a big urn, like an un, an unsightly urn, like an urn of Alf's head, like a bust of Alf. I right. I was born just that little bit too late to appreciate Alf, and, and I also don't like Alf because he eats cats. Why does the, everyone skip over this fact? All the more reason why I want Alf. Because first of all, they got to carry this ugly fucking Alf head, like my. Either you would for a while, um, or my sister, my brother, or someone. They'll have to carry the outfit around with them, with my ashes inside of it, and not just like inside. I want to be baked into oh, right. the urn, so they have to keep me. But the funny part about it is, people your age and younger will be like, "What the fuck is that?" And they're like, "Well, that's that's Elf." And like, what? This is a stupid '80s sitcom about this alien life form that ate. Ca- it's just dumb. And my brother is an asshole, and I have to have this forever. I would let your sister have it. <laughs> You'd have to have it. No, why would, it would I be have to have it? Because it'd be in my will, and I'll haunt you if you don't. Well, come and haunt me. I like ghosts. Well, I'll kick back with you. I'll, I'll chug a beer. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be a pleasant ghost that hangs out. <laughs> well, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to be yeah, an evil, fetching <laughs> ghost. I'll do horrible things. <laughs> like what? Horrible Jewish things. You'll do my taxes for me. I'll. I don't know, like spray ectoplasm all over your vibrator. <laughs> what, like you do already? <laughs> no, but that, that, that's kind of what I always thought. However, I thought, I always thought you wanted a grave, and I thought you would probably do something similar to uh, what this, this grandmother did. I still am undecided, and, you know, hopefully I have a long life to decide what I would like yet, so continue on. Well, yeah. that's, why, that's why I figured, like, when I read mind. this, I thought of a couple people, but you were you in particular— so this happened in Mexico City just this past week. Some people might have heard of it. But um, 99-year-old Catarina Oduña Perez had one final wish. She wanted a giant statue of a dick and balls on top of her grave. <laughs> and the balls. And the balls. You can see Granny being like, and I really want the balls. I'll, I'll post the picture on the site. But the family this past week unveiled the completed monument. It's a five-and-a-half-foot-tall cock and balls weighing nearly 600 pounds. Five and a half foot. I'm five foot four. That's like pretty much my height, isn't it? Your height. Yeah. And it's huge. It's like 600 pounds. God, Granny loved cock. Yeah. Um, she wanted it mounted on her tomb as a recognition of her love and joy for life and cocks. And cocks. Yeah. It's not a love and joy for life, Granny. It's a love and joy for fucking being dicked. Well, she was she was uh, very well known in their small town of Misantla. You don't say. Um, in uh, Mexico, she was kind of a matriarch. Like she had a huge family, and she had a particular affinity for penises. Well, if she has a huge family, I think you can see why. Granny just wants cock all the live long day. She really liked cock, and she would say, in the Mexican sense, that her family were vergas. 
That's what her what her kid said, Mota Limon, said that uh, she would refer to her family as Vergas. And that's a word in, in, in Spanish. It's not really Spanish. It's Mexican slang. Um, I, I didn't know what it meant, and so I had to look it up. It's translated in English as cock, and it's a profane word. All I'm imagining is, um, what's the guy, the street fighter guy? You know, I have an earache. Go with me. You know, the, the guy who wears the masks with the claws. Oh, what was his, that his name's guy's Vivis. name? Was it Vega? It's Vega. That's it all Vega? I'm imagining. Um, well, Verga, depending on how it's phrased, can be a brutal insult, like pretty much telling someone to go fuck themselves. Okay. Or it can be a compliment, like a badge of honor. Like, that's cool. That's that's Verga, even though it means cock. So I like this because you know how the British will take one word and it can be either used as an insult. It, it's like the word cunt, right? Say Australians I, get it, Scottish people an, get it. be a term of endearment? Yeah, you can be like, you're my best cunt, but if you say it in the wrong kind of tone to someone, then instantly it's the worst. You're you know what I think? Fucking cunt. What I think's funny is in America a school child can walk into school and shoot everyone and everyone's like, oh, we're sad, but we're not offended. But if you call somebody a cunt in America, Jesus. No, they, they take that word. Um, yeah, so serious. grave insult if, you know, in, uh, in the States. Big ups to all the countries where you can say the word cunt freely. How many there are? I said them. There's Britain <laughs> and Australia. Hello to everyone, Dan and. Well, can you can you call an Irish person a cunt, or did they get offended? Yeah, you can call an Irish person okay, a so cunt. The United Kingdom. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so she would actually have pride when she'd refer to her, her family as uh, a bunch of vergas. They're a bunch of cocks, my family. I love this granny. Yeah. Um, and she instilled that message to her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren. I told you she's a matriarch. That they're all vergas. You're all dicks. I want to go up to a baby, put my finger in his face, and call him a fucking cock. Yeah, they all were. And so over the years, you know, she told her family that when she died, she wanted her tomb adorned with a massive penis. Does she ever talk about the husband? Verga gigante. <laughs> Did, yeah. she, did she ever talk about her husband, who obviously had a Virgo, Virgo gigante? I, you know, I don't know, but he must have been, yeah, like hung like Ron Jeremy or something. He must have been a donkey dick. Oh yeah. my God, was he a donkey? Is this story set in Tijuana? It is in Mexico, but I don't know if she like starred in a donkey show. Well. With Ron Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, she would say that, and her daughter was like, oh, it's just grandma being grandma, bold and spunky. <laughs> Full of spunk, um, that grandma. By the way, she was turned 99, and uh, she was pretty much you know, kind of on her deathbed. And she asked her, she said, um, so wh- how do you want to be buried? Do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? And she said, I told you what I wanted. And they're like, well, you're not serious. And she's like, no. Make it happen. She told me that it was her desire so that no one would forget her and that everything we loved about her would be remembered more easily in that big, giant fucking cock. It's now going to be a tourist attraction. People are going to go and have their picture taken with the dick. People are going to, yeah, probably going to sit on the dick. You know, I bet she looked great for her age because, like, semen is really good for your skin. She sounds like she got a lot of it. I think she was full of it. I think she had pickled herself. I think that if you went and just, like, shagged her while she was dead, the spunk would just come out of her mouth, like, because she would be so filled up. Well, maybe. I, I don't know how long it's been since she's had sex. She is 99. I don't think the Might woman ever stopped. A, a few decades here. Well, um, her daughter called a local engineer who builds plastic products like water tanks and children's play sets. And he was like, hey, you, you, can you do this? And he thought it was a joke. 
you know, because I mean, it's common to see sculptures or monuments, but definitely not like a big giant dick on someone's grave. But she, you know, asked him like several times. So finally, he's like, "All right, let's do this." And it took almost a month. Team of twelve people. Wow. Yeah, a carpenter, to build a, dick. a sander, a sculptor, a carver. Um, they got this a little is a bit biblical tale. <laughs> they got it's like Noah's Ark. They got particularly delayed though on the ball sack because uh, the first time that it was it was disfigured. They had to make the balls again. Oh no! Yeah, the most important part, the scrotum. Yeah, they had to make the balls. Is the again. hairs on the scrotum, or is it just a shorn? No, it's just a, it's just like a finely shorn, smooth statue, and it's it looks kind of like it's looks sort of blackish, black gray. Is it circumcised? Is the question. I think it is. Well, it's a hard cock. Oh, is it hard? So, yeah. All right. In my I'm mind, just it, gonna it, have a flaccid dick just hanging over the grave. This horny old goat wants a, like a dick in her face. Do you think she likes soft dicks? Definitely. I think not. she liked any dick that was just within the realm of her. Well, it turns out everybody in uh, not everybody in Misanthla in is particularly pleased about the big penis oh, always, statue. Some people are like, okay, joy. we liked her and she had a great sense of humor and that's cool. But other people who are conservative. Uh, see it in like a, a in a negative fashion. It's going to draw negative attention to their small town. Like who? P- Gawkers like me coming up. Yeah, pitch taking, taken with taking the, selfies, the desecrating the penis. Yet another grave that I will have desecrated in my time. I wonder if the people next to her, like the fa- if no one wants to be buried next to her, so it's almost like a better thing. You know, it's almost like a more more of an advantage for her. She's like she's going to be remembered. It's going to be obviously. You know, an attraction at the, at the cemetery, but then also no one wants to be buried next to her because no one wants to be buried next to the dick. To the, I I don't wouldn't mind being buried next to the dick grave. Why not? But you will get overlooked, won't you? People yeah. will come and be like, "Here's the dick grave," and then they'll just be like, "Oh, who are they? Who cares?" Well, unless you put a big giant vagina. Oh my god! Or a, I would do a set of titties, <laughs> a huge set of round titties. This should just be an erotic cemetery. That's uh, what this place should <gasps> turn into. Oh, D, we are copywriting and TMing. The erotic cemetery. Well, you know who would want to be buried there? Who? <laughs> Me? <laughs> you? Well, you. No, I want to be cremated and put in a fucking elf statue. I just said that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but the erotic cemetery. I'm serious about that, goddammit. The erotic cemetery now exists. You don't want to be in the erotic cemetery. You can put the elf head in the erotic cemetery. <laughs> no, you cannot. Who is wanking to elf? <laughs> Absolutely no one. Yeah, you could put it on a, the body of something with a big dick. Oh, like a really hot stripper's body and maybe yeah, like fingering his pussy a little. No, Alf doesn't have a pussy. He's a man. I was using pussy as in like, because that's what he eats. Oh, he eats his pussy. P- oh, okay, see, there's many different meanings for a word. There are. <laughs> Brits are good at that. <laughs> no, anyway, the story of uh, Donia Kata here getting buried with her big dick statue. Um, maybe think about the subject of this week's show. And definitely the erotic cemetery does. Um, I'm referring to the salacious Madam Mayhem, Joyce McKinney. Yeah. As far as I know, I think she's still going. She's still alive. Yeah, she's kind of a secretive. Yeah, she yeah. is, and she's insane. Um, but do you think she'd want a plaster cast of the poor innocent Mormon Kirk Anderson's cock mounted on her grave? I think that's all she wants in this world. <laughs> I mean, she wants that at home right now. Uh, this is such a wild story, people. It's got everything. It's got kidnapping. It's got Mormon rape. The Osmonds. Uh, it's got make handcuffs, the Osmonds, tabloid frenzy, nun disguises, and dog cloning. It's got everything. You know, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre story. And I do wonder how people would react to uh, Joyce's shenanigans in today's, like, cancel culture, you know, society. Well, Joyce should have gone to jail. 
properly. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least be put away somewhere. Um, before we get into all this, um, I just want to thank everybody out there who support us every month on Patreon. Um, this month is kind of a harsh one, uh, but people stick in there and, uh, and support the show and keep us going, helping us pay for fees, um, helping us pay for all the expenses of the show, actually. It's all, it all comes out of Patreon, and uh, if it wasn't for that, it'd come out of my pocket. So I do um, have a debt of gratitude to all of you people out there um, helping us keep it, keep it sick and wrong. Keeping the week. lights on. Keeping the lights on, yeah. Anyway, here's a quick Patreon promo, and then let's chat about the uh, the Madam of Mayhem, Joyce McKinney. Do you need more sick and wrong in your life? Do you need one more news story to make you feel normal? Are three phone calls barely enough to feed the raging beast of desire? Well, then it's time for you to get the help you need and become a Sick and Wrong patron. Sign up at patreon.com slash sickandwrong and you'll have access to exclusive Patreon-only content such as news stories, extra phone calls, and much, much more. Become a patron today and help us make a better Sick and Wrong for tomorrow. That's patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Okay, so on the edge of Dartmoor, uh, D, you have no idea where Dartmoor is. Yeah, where's Dartmoor? It's down south. There's there's horses there. Is like they r- they run across the hills. Like south? Are you saying like south of London or north of London? No, it's like to here. the to the west of London. And like so, here's Cornwall. It's kind of like that whole bottomish area. It's like as far south as you can get. Oh, okay. All right. All That's right. where I think Dartmoor Dartmoor is. Somewhere down there. Somewhere I'm, I'm not going to go to Dartmoor. What, what the fuck have I got it's there? It's like the opposite in the country for you. Yeah. Yeah. So three miles from the market town of um, Okahampton, an old stone farmhouse with no close neighbors made the perfect hideaway and lair for a former Miss Wyoming. I'm using former Miss Wyoming in like very heavy terms. Beauty queen, Joyce McKinney. The older ones amongst you here, you will know Joyce McKinney or throw some Brits back into the past. This I'm- is... I'm wondering how many of our listeners are going to be like, Joyce McKinney, I haven't thought of her in a long time. She will have been part of the sexual awakening for some 40 40 to 50-year-old men who are listening to this, definitely. They would definitely be boomers, if you think about it, because you'd have to be in your, like, what, 60s to remember her? Possibly. She was was in, like, what, the mid-70s? Yeah, mid-70s. That's when all this went down. Yeah. Yeah, this was the 70s, the me decade. It's the 10 years where punk broke, Elvis croaked, Nixon choked, and Ted Bundy wrapped his hands around live young college girls' throats. Uh, years ago, I actually wrote an article about Ted Bundy uh, for like this zine I used to put out. I'm going to throw that up on the Patreon for those who like to read about like embellished true crime. I would totally get cancelled for this Was article. it like a work of fiction or is it just a work of adoration? It's kind of like a James Elroy, you know, I'm taking the facts and I'm spinning it and changing it. It's a bit of erotica. It's like Ted Bundy, but not erotica for Ted Bundy, the girls. Because he so had you- some delicious girls. Well, he also was kind of a sexual beast. He was a very sexual beast, but some of the girls he put away, like George Ann Hawkins, fucking fitty, man. Yeah, they were fit. Yeah. Back in the 70s, telly was limited. The internet wasn't even a thing. The bins weren't being picked up. London stank. London still stinks. The working class has had enough. The, clean, the queen celebrated her silver jubilee, much to the punk's chagrin. 
Food was even more beige back then, which is uh, hard to believe in Britain. But nothing was saucier than a whole bottle of Tommy K when the scandal of Joyce McKinney hit the tabloids. What's Tommy K? Tommy K, what do you think a bottle of Tommy K could be? I have no idea. Is it some kind of liquor? Tomato ketchup, mate. Oh, it's tomato ketchup. Okay. All right. Yeah, I would have had no idea. (laughs) This is a perfectly saucy story for the Brits who were undergoing rolling blackouts in the 70s. I'm sure Peter Sutcliffe stroked his hammer in eagerness as he read the headlines. The story, it's definitely all got a music bed of the Benny Hill theme tune running throughout it all. Features a missionary kidnapping, bondage sex, nude selfies, a flight from justice, and even the Osmonds. And it gripped the Brits for nearly a year in 1977. And to quote the great Steve Jones on Bill Grundy's ITV today, what a dirty bastard, what a fucking rotter that Joyce would turn out to be. Or was she the subject of uh, the great British press manipulation, which we all know they can do? Do you think Jonesy ever shagged her? Steve Jonesy, I mean, at that time, he was a wild man. He could have shagged anything. And he was also really handsome and good looking back then. Yeah, he might have. He could have, you know, Jonesy, uh, if you're listening, (laughs) tell us right in. This story starts in the classiest place in the world, the Appalachian Mountains. So she was born in Minneapolis. She was an only child raised in North Carolina. She was a fairly good looking girl, but like most small town beauties, she was restless. And either Charles Manson would come along and scoop her up or she would have to put her own plans into action. So she figured beauty pageants would get her out of town. And they did, although she very rarely won. And her other main interest was church, which... Hmm. uh, Well, small town. Small town, I guess. But this is the 70s, you wouldn't think it. Unsurprisingly, her two interests of celebrity and chastity is going to clash in spectacular fashion for the whole world to see. So she did win beauty pageants, small beauty pageants, but then she ended up being Miss Wyoming... In 1973, so she must have competed in, like, the Miss USA pageant, which is pretty big. Yeah, but how many other people were in the beauty pageants with her? What, like a goat? A cow? Maybe a chicken in a glittery dress? They're not going to let some haggard woman get up on stage for, like, a Miss Miss USA pageant. I mean, she must... You know, I saw pictures of her, like, the nude nude pictures. I don't think they were selfies. There were definitely nude pictures taken by somebody. I know she says they're selfies. But they were nude pictures that were probably taken by... A magazine and and sold, um, but she had a great she had a great set of chaps. I'm telling you, the nice only wreck. people who were at that beauty pageant that she was at was like a chicken in a glittery dress, maybe a cow with a feather boa, and maybe a pig with some lipstick on. And they were like, "Fuck, this is all we've got to choose from." And that's how she won. I'm gonna post some pictures of her, maybe the nude ones with some stars over the nipples because we can't show nudity. <laughs> um, or I'll get banned from Facebook again. But I'm gonna post some pictures and let the fans decide here. I'm guaranteed nine nine dudes out of ten. And the, the, the one that wouldn't is probably gay, um, would bang this woman. Yeah, but that's asking in a dude's opinion, isn't it? What every man would shag. A man will shag a hole in the wall. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it's a, I'm, she isn't unattractive. We'll put it up. We'll let, we'll let the, uh, the listeners decide. She's not for me. Let's put it like that. In 1973, she converted to Mormonism. She moved to Provo, which is a small city in Utah. And she studied drama at the church's uh, Brigham Young University. One of the reasons she chose Utah and probably to convert to Mormonism in the first place was because of her 
other obsession, and that's the Osmonds. I get it, right? Crazy Horses is one of the greatest concept songs of all time, and uh, that album that it comes from is also a concept album. Jay, the drummer, who actually sings Crazy Horses, is my favorite Osmond It's as well. one of the few songs he actually sings on. It is one of the few. Who's your favorite Osmond? You know, I've never liked the Osmonds. I do like this song, but I'm not an Osmonds fan. They have some fucking banging Ripped off the songs. Jackson 5. Yeah, well, these are the white ones that's safe to like. I know. Right. <laughs> um, this whole idea of, like, Joyce up in sticks moving and converting to Mormonism was actually a well-known thing at the time. And the bleached blonde Joyce was not the first and not the last chick to have converted to the LDS church to get near the Osmonds. It was a thing. Are all the Osmonds still Mormon to this day? Yes. Wow, they're all practicing Mormons. Yeah. So do you think Mitt Romney just loved the Osmonds? Probably. Hmm. He probably doesn't understand the uh, subtleness of the album and it being a concept album for about how environmentalism is going to ruin the world. Not environmentalism, sorry, like cars and shit. How old was like Donnie and, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Jay. How old were they when they were in the Osmonds? Got, young. At the height of their popularity. I think Donnie was like 13 or something. So they were young. Oh, at the height, I think Donnie was a little bit older, maybe 16. And you don't think they were shagging any of their fans? Well, I, nothing's ever come out about them shagging their fans. Or their sister. They didn't shag Marie. I guarantee Donnie at least did like the, you know, the, the Mormon shag that they do where they like fuck what, the What, shag girl's the asshole? Oh. Well, some, no, they usually like fuck the girl. Like the girl like bends her thighs together and they fuck her thighs. Oh, like dry humping. Sort of. It's sort of like. A you're thigh just, fuck. Yeah, you're like thigh fucking and you're not, you're not. Uh, and the, the, but the, the Randy ones will be like, okay, we could do anal because God thinks that's cool. <laughs> Does God think anal well, is cool? No, it's, it's, you're still a virgin in God's mind. He's like, ah, I was up the poop shoot. You yeah, know, why you're still not? a virgin. It's okay. But guaranteed, at least they're getting blowies. Oh, maybe, maybe just like, I don't know. I think dry humping might have occurred. So she was trying to infiltrate this tight knit, squeaky clean social circle of the Osmond family, the pride of the Mormon church. Joyce, along with her college roommate, Karen, they would hoof it to Vegas most weekends to catch the sibling band performing. Joyce set her sights on the oldest brother, Alan, but she soon turned to younger and dumber brother, Wayne, and her attempts to get close to him were well known by the Osmonds and the Osmond fans, and it pretty much teetered on stalking. Well, I've read that she claimed that she had an actual relationship with Wayne. I would not believe a word that comes out of Joyce, <laughs> Joyce's mouth. Allegedly, she had a relationship with Wayne. She didn't. And she wanted to marry him. She didn't. In Anthony Delano's book, Joyce McKinney in the Case of the Manacled Mormon, he found evidence that Mama Olive Osmond took great steps to keep Joyce away from any of her boys. Despite her expert levels of stalking, she was said to have been devastated when Wayne announced he was engaged to somebody else. It was most certainly a bullet dodged, and uh, Joyce sent her 25-year-old obsessive sights on her new beau, a 19-year-old missionary and fellow student, poor bastard Kirk Anderson. What a downgrade. Yeah, I know, going from Osman to Nami to a yeah. civilian. Uh, yeah, I totally get it. He's kind of a nerdy-looking dude. Imagine if we were like, you know, all those, um, the groupies in the 80s who were shagging like Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue, and like then they just had to marry some like dude and just have kids with him. Yeah, just marry some like normal, like, you know, guy wearing glasses with a calculator in his pocket. If that's you. <laughs> <laughs> 
a, there's a lot of mystery surrounding Kirk Anderson. But what is known is that he went missing on September the 14th, 1977, near Epsom in Surrey. The story barely made journos or new, news editors blink at the time. The juicy details hadn't yet been made public, and the public didn't know that Joyce and Kirk were former flames. It was love at first sight for Joyce. She described Kirk as the love child of Clark Kent and Gary Cooper. No. <laughs> No, no, no. In reality, he was a chubby virgin who was not prepared for the full force of a female in love. I mean, he's not unattractive, but I would never look at Kirk and be like, oh my God, what a sex god. I think he looks more like Dwight Schrute. You know, I would probably, I would have sex with Dwight Schrute before I would have sex with uh, Kirk. They look very similar. Is it what? Because their noses are too small for their face. It's not in proportion. Sort of, and that sort of square head. They both wear glasses, and they kind of dress sort of the same. I think Kirk is probably a lot more innocent than Dwyer. Yeah, probably. But, I mean, I don't know. I bet you she, I bet you Joyce probably got, she probably, uh, you know, might have masturbated watching The Office, The U.S. Office. Haven't we all? <laughs> Scott's Tots. Only twice. Scott- Only twice, and it wasn't my fault. Scott's Tots is my wank bank episode. <laughs> Joyce claims that they've slept together. They're both losing their virginity to each other. Kirk must actually have something in common with Superman because he apparently had super sperm. Joyce said she was pregnant and then she suffered a miscarriage and Kirk, he's now overwhelmed with grief. So he confessed all to his church elders and their response was to get him out of town very fast and they packed him off to do missionary work and keeping him out the reach of the obsessive and once again devastated Joyce McKinney. So McKinney said that uh, they would go on picnics and they made out and that was it, nothing more. But they were close to being engaged when the Mormon elders uh, caught wind of this relationship and they did not trust her. So they're the ones who sent him away. Who goes on picnics? I just love how there's like the Mormon elders. The Mormon elders didn't the like elders me. The found out. <laughs> they banished him from the clan. Joyce was so obsessed, she blew her entire life savings, some 18 grand back in those days, which is worth some 88 hundred thousand pounds today to hire private detectives to track down her lost lover she quit the church her version of the events is that they wanted to get married but the church would not allow it because she wasn't a real like fully fledged mormon and she wanted to free kirk from the grasps of the cults of the mormons well so she was turning against the uh, mormon church at this point oh she hates the mormons now they're they're cock blockers yeah literally ask for her Her private dicks tracked the hapless Anderson across Oregon, California, East Grinstead, ugh, Reading, and finally he's in Epsom, where he would mysteriously go missing. Those Mormons get around. So we've got an accomplice here. I think definitely the very gay Keith May. The gay Keith May? Oh, yeah, this guy. You know, it is really funny. You look at him... He's kind of like a big guy, too. He's a, he's like definitely over six foot. He's very 70s looking. But he's very 70s. He's kind of skinny. And he just like willingly follows Joyce around everywhere. She, he is the gay best friend. Because he's like, we'll just go get him. Let's yeah. go, honey. <laughs> we'll go get him. Where'd he go? London? Well, let's go fucking get him. <laughs> he's yours. <laughs> she embarked on her new life direction. And this is to get Anderson back with Keith May. Together they flew to London and on September the 14th they ambushed him outside the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints forcing him into a car using an imitation firearm. <laughs> so once 
Joyce found out um, where uh, uh, Kirk's location was. Um, they flew to England. Uh, she got she got her architect friend. Her I think gay best friend. Yeah, for I sure. think architect is like a journal speak for gay. <laughs> her gay best friend Keith May, because that's the thing. If it was her, her just regular architect friend. Do you think he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to fly over to London and help you kidnap some Mormon? I don't think he, he doesn't have like cook energy, you know, like when you cook someone. He's got gay best friend, fierce well, gay best friend. Well, you told me this yesterday. Not, you said cuck, but you say it cook. Cook, So yeah. I remember you first said it, it's like, oh, he's like her cook. And I was like, what do you mean? He like cooks her like her personal chef? But I never said you were saying cuck. Cook, yeah. Like a cuck A cook. A cook. A cuckold. Uh, yeah, a cook. <laughs> a cook. <laughs> I have an ear infection. <laughs> well, I think it's the accent, actually, is the way. But anyway, no, I don't think he's a cuck. I don't think they're sexually involved in no, any way. I, mean, I think he was her gay best friend, and he's like, let's go get him. We're going to bring him back. Get in there. Fuck those Mormons. <laughs> yeah, totally. I like Keith May. I want his magic underwear, though. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so they flew to England. With their with their gay bestie, they got an imitation revolver. This is almost something straight out of a Chuck Palahniuk novel. They got an imitation revolver, and then May confronted Anderson on the steps of the church, and then Frog marched him to a car. So he had the gun, like this fake gun, pointed in his back. You know what type of fake gun I think it is as well. So in the seventies, you know Avon. Avon calling, which is, I imagine, Keith. The makeup, yeah. Yeah, well, they used to do aftershaves and perfumes, and I've got an aftershave that's in the shape of a gun. I put it in my pictures all the time. All my pictures that are on Instagram is an Avon aftershave bottle. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if the gay bestie had that. Get in the car. I got a gun. (laughs) I will shoot you. I've actually got two guns. (laughs) So so we frog marched him to the car. I love that term. And uh, McKinney was waiting there. And uh, under the pretense of rescuing Anderson, um, she also had recruited men to help get Anderson out of the cult. So she hired two bodyguards, like via newspaper ad, to come with her to England. So Gil Parker, who was an actual bodybuilder, and Jackson Shaw, who was a pilot. Not uh, Kevin Costner in the award-winning film The Bodyguard with Whitney Houston, which is a guilty pleasure film of mine. I think Kevin Costner, well, Kevin Costner probably was like, Late teens here, early twenties. Yeah, he would have. He was alive. Yeah. He was around. I'm surprised she didn't go after Costner. I, I mean, wouldn't we all at some stage have gone after my Costner that I would go after is Warworld Costner because I would like him to take me down into the ocean with the little, like the breathing helmets on, so I can see the shit that's down there. Yeah, that movie was a blockbuster success. <laughs> that movie's an awesome, <laughs> underrated movie. You know, people that have uh, might have been to Universal. They we're going off topic here, but the water world, it wasn't really a ride. It was more of a show. It's my favorite thing at Universal. Is it gone now? Oh, yeah. They tore it down. Oh, like, it's fuck? like Harry Potter world or something now, but what? it was the coolest thing. Like they had dudes on jet skis, like driving through like flames, like f- like doing flips and shit through flames. That's cool. Did they oh, have but- the big giant fish that they blew up and eat? No, Damn I don't it. recall that. But it was it was definitely my favorite show, Universal. And uh, bum that's gone. I'm still gutted. Fucking Harry Potter. Anyway, um, so she had recruited these two guys, the bodybuilder named Gil Parker and a pilot named Jackson Shaw. And so Shaw was like actually kind of impressed 
by McKinney's outstanding figure. See, I'm telling you, particularly when she wore a see-through blouse with no bra at their first meeting. Look, that's very saucy, and I'm not saying she doesn't have a good she, figure. She has a great but rack. I'm, but her face, man. If I had to, if somebody said choose between a chicken in a sequin dress, a pig with lipstick on, or a cow with a feather boa, or Joyce McKinney, I'm probably going to choose the chicken in the sequin dress. But that's what a brown paper bag is. I'm not <laughs> looking at the face. I'm looking at the delightful face of my chicken <laughs> in the sequin dress, and we're going to dinner, and we're going to have a good time. So he said that their first meeting, she had this strange wig that she referred to as Matilda. Oh she names her wigs. And she wore it whenever she went out. That's a Jewish thing, isn't it? You wear your wig? Uh, yeah, actually, Orthodox uh, women do. I think it's kind of one of those things, like, it's kind of almost a thing like uh, like a burqa. Like, they don't want men to see their actual hair. Well, yeah, because it belongs to the husband. But do, yeah. do Mormons do that? Is it a Mormon thing, maybe, that they wear wigs? I just or is think it, it was just a, a 70s thing. slut thing to do. Yeah. You know? Wigs um, are great. But Shaw and the bodybuilder end up bailing out of the adventure when they... First saw the fake gun and the chloroform. <laughs> because uh, don't forget there was chloroform that they used uh, that Joyce had brought with her. And they realized, okay, we're not rescuing this kid from a cult. And so they just bailed. According to Joyce, uh, Kirk was apparently overjoyed to see her at first. I'm sure he was. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, oh, shit, it's that stalker. He was apparently so overjoyed that he immediately got a Woody. He was very randy. And he gave her a Good old rogering, right there and then. Although in her first statement, she did say that he went impotent and he broke off the bang and he began chanting a prayer instead. I'd be chanting a prayer if I had to sit with her. I'd be like, please, please send me the cow with the feather boa. Was this a boner prayer or something? They don't <laughs> use Viagra in the Mormon church? <laughs> yeah, they just pray for, pray for boners, me every morning. From here, the conspirators and the captured horny Mormon apparently drove over 200 miles to a secluded cottage in Devon. Kirk was chloroformed. They hid him under a blanket, just in case. And exactly what took place over there during those three days depends on what newspaper you read and whom you believe. The fridge had been stocked with Kirk's favorite beige food, and Joyce had been religiously reading the 1972 illustrated sex sex manual, The Joy of Sex. In preparation for this. Have you ever actually seen The Joy of Sex? I've never seen A Joy of Sex in the flesh. I've read the Kama Sutra because that's always something when you find it at like a mate's house. You're always like, oh, look at image number 592. No one can do that. But I've never seen The Joy of Sex. Do you own a copy? No, but my uh, Aunt Nancy used to. <laughs> we were, we'd be at her house and she was like, a, I don't know, like a teacher or something. Um, not like a sex teacher. She was like a teacher, like a like yeah, a, or right. I think she was like a principal actually of like a special needs school. But I remember like oh being really, there, this is getting dark <laughs> now. I remember looking through her her like her books. I was bored at their house. I'm like, the fuck is this? I mean, I must have been like nine. Did you take and it into like, the bathroom with you? No, I like opened up, and started flipping through. And I'm like, holy shit! I mean, it's not like they don't actually have. It's all illustrations. Yeah, like the Kama Sutra. Yeah, kind of, but more like kind of 70s style illustrations. But it's it's a sex manual that came out in 1972 by British author Alex Comfort. Alex the Comfort. The best name for, so, uh, for an author of that book. Are the illustrations like the women all have really long, blonde, flowy hair and it's like outside in maybe a field? No, and... it's, there's no like environment it's just usually the a very 70s looking woman and a 70s 70s guy and he's like, he's got a like eating her out yeah or, yeah or okay. like banging her or she's about to give him a blowjob 
But The Joy of Sex was huge when it came out. Spent 11 weeks at the top on the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, the original intention with it was to use the same approach as, uh, as like, The Joy of Cooking. Cookbooks? Yeah. So, like, if you read through it, there's chapters like Starters. Main courses. Oh, my. And the book features sexual practice such as oral sex, various sex positions, as well as uh, bringing out further, quote-unquote, further out practices like bondage, like BDSM, or swinging. So no one knew about all this at the time. Um, but I was reading about it because I, I looked at it I was like, God, I haven't thought about the joy of sex in a long time. Well, apparently in 1993, they had a video game adaptation for the book. It was one of those CD interactive video games. Oh, yeah, games. yeah. Yeah, it was probably only one of the first of you know video games to receive the adults-only rating from the ESRB. Didn't Le- Leisure Suit Larry receive an adults-only? Yeah, that was only. another... Uh... Fucking loved Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> they, should, they should have remade that. They did. They remade it on the PS2, and it was like... Um, a but was f- it sexy? <laughs> yeah, you could see... like. I don't think he could see like full on penetration or anything like that because in the f- in the original Le- Leisure Suit Larry, like how it was impossible. It, it was, was like so eight hard. bit eight bit graphic. Yeah, but yeah. this one was like you would. It was kind of like bully or something like that. Hmm. Um, it was fun. So the interactive compact disc here, it's it's kind of like it's a whole guide to lovemaking. There's a is a combination of video illustrations, commentary, and music. That goes through all the sexual positions and like three hours of commentary. I kind of want to check that out. Can you remember that video game? In the early 2000s, though, there was that spate of like the kind of like Japanese Chinese games where it would be like you're romancing your girlfriend and you have to like romance them before like somebody comes in. And if you're doing it wrong, then she gets turned off. You remember all those games? Is that kind of like Second Life or Half Life? These were just like shitty, not even like interactive games that of that level. It would just purely be like a sexy game. They dated like uh, Second Life and all those. Yeah, it would be like you've got to warm the chick up so you can see her pussy and if you oh my god if you touch her on her knee she's not gonna like that or you would have to like sneak a look at her while and try and get it there was all kind of rapey i bet you there's japanese men still playing that game i'm still playing those games all parties agree on one thing kirk anderson he was manacled to the bed with mink lined handcuffs well you know later when uh mckinney obviously was busted she told judges that uh she loved him and she restrained him because that was the only way to get him off because he was impotent well it was the only way he could enjoy sex and so uh mckinney that when they got him she cooked dinner because he got all his favorite food um and then may manacled their prisoner to a bed, spread eagled with a 10-foot chain. You're going to love this. You know how he must have been so into that? Oh, yeah. He's like, we got to make him spread eagled. <laughs> Go get the chains. He's waiting for you, honey. Put him in the love shack. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture him looking like Fred Schneider. I know. I'm totally getting more and more Fred Schneider out of him, too. Now go cook dinner, baby. <laughs> We're going to have some fun tonight. Um, McKinney says she made the bed up with... Blue silk sheets. Oh, my. <laughs> With his initials, Anderson's initials on the sheets. The attention to detail from Joyce, I must say, is very admirable. She's insane. She is. She's insane. And then she attempted to relax him with a cinnamon oil back rub. But if he's chained, spread eagle, how did she, did he have enough room so she could flip him over? Maybe he was uh, on his stomach. He could have. Oh, well, you know what? It's really comfy to sleep on your stomach. So you have to use a cinnamon oil. They all love it. <laughs> I brought it just for you. 
<laughs> Joyce also read him scriptures. She said that the bondage was to ease his mind over the fact that their love and sex was not shameful. Besides, apparently he could only achieve orgasm when he was brutally bound. When she found that this routine wasn't getting her pussy wet, she switched tactics. She turned on some Telly Savalas on the record player and she went full on feminine force. Well, that would work on any woman. I, I must admit. Telly. Ah, the sweet, sultry sounds of Telly. And he is a very, very handsome man. He's like Yule Brenner. He's just the, he's sexy. I couldn't move, Kirk said in court. She tore the top of my pajamas and she tore them from my body until I was naked. I was extremely upset and depressed about being forced to have sex. I wanted to know, like, did she remove his special underwear? She obviously did. <laughs> well, he claimed to have been wearing some kind of Mormon chastity belt. Yeah, they're never nudes. But I don't... You know, I was wondering about this Mormon underwear, like, because Mitt Romney wears, you you can see pictures of Mitt Romney, it's like a big one-piece thing, but I didn't know it was some kind of, like, chastity device. It's a never-nude. They're all never-nudes. Well, maybe. But M- McKinney recalls in uh, in the documentary, the Errol Morris documentary that we're going to get to, and so a lot of these quotes that I'm getting from Joyce were actually from this documentary that Errol Morris did in, like, 2010 called Tabloid. It's yeah. great. I highly recommend it. But anyway, she recalls how she ripped off and burned what she described as a special magic Mormon underwear with its protective occultic symbols. We all have special magic underwear that has <laughs> occultic symbols on it that we use for pulling. Well, don't you have like pentagram leggings? I, yeah, I have pentagram tights. Kind of the same deal. Yeah. Yeah. After raping him for several days, Kirk finally agreed to marry her and... The jury's out. They either released him or probably what really happened was he was able to free himself and he took flight straight to the local police station where he reported the crime and he told authorities that the sex was non-consensual. Where was Keith all this time? So were they both doing the (laughs) raping or was he just like, you go, girl, get in there. I was downstairs (laughs) making sandwiches for us all. Yeah, like what's he watching, Mary Tyler Moore? Like (laughs) she's just up there just doing some raping. He had his big, you know, the 1970s tin can headphones on and he's listening to Elton John and Kiki D. (laughs) Joyce and Keith, they were quickly captured in a sting operation. They're arrested September the 19th uh, and charged with kidnap and assault with both claiming their innocence. Joyce, you are not innocent. Now the hounds of media hell were baying for the blood and guts of the story. Especially in this country. Fuck yeah. As she was being taken to Epsom for a court appearance, she held a notice up to the window of the police vehicle she was being driven in. She would actually do this frequently. Sometimes she'd be crying. Sometimes she'd be flashing like her pearly whites for the press. This note with accompanying tears read, Kirk left with me willingly. He fears excommunication for leaving his mission and made up his kidnap rape story. She is just loving the attention. Oh, yeah. She'd been desperately trying to contact the press. She had sat in jail for three months, and this was now her chance. Yeah, no, this is her limelight. This is her 15 minutes. And uh, this is when the media, because in the the British tabloids, they still do it. They always come up with the best monikers. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the British media can, like, destroy you and build you up. I mean, just look at Amy Winehouse. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what what the British populace wants to see. And so, anyway, the media nicknamed her Madam Mayhem. Great name. So when British authorities arrested McKinney for kidnapping Anderson, uh, she did not want to face rape charges. And so when McKinney was out on bail waiting her trial, she just embraced the British tabloids to get her story out. 
like her side of the story, and it kind of worked I'm because scared. everybody wanted to publish her story. And she made a significant amount of money like selling the story to the, all these uh, tabloids. We'll get into some of the stories she sold. So it was a committal proceedings to decide if the case should go to trial or not, because under the Sexual Offences Act of 1956, which was then in force in the UK, because the victim was male, under the law, it was deemed that no man can be raped, but indecent assault did apply. That's all changed now, which is good, because men can be raped. Oh, okay, we all so they did that. change that? Of course they did. What do you mean? I don't well, know. What? You see Britain these lads. hasn't changed it since then. You see the behavior of these lads. And they go to their football games. Who knows <laughs> what they're doing? You're talking about rugger boogers. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know that term, but I like where you're going with it. <laughs> In court, she testified how much she loved Kirk, saying that I would have skied down Mount Everest in the nude with a carnation up my nose if he asked me to. That's her most famous quote. I bet, yeah. I bet Keith is like, this is what you should say. <laughs> On stand. <laughs> Love Shaq. The prosecution argued that Joyce was a stalker with an all-consuming passion for Kirk Anderson. She shocked the court with her final speech proclaiming, I think I should explain sexual bondage and Kirk's sexual hang-ups. Kirk was raised by a very dominant mother. He has a lot of guilt about sex because his mother has overprotected him all his life. He has to be tied up to orgasm. <laughs> well, some lurid details. She also told the court that the sex was consensual. He was grinning like a monkey, and I didn't have to beg for boys' services. I'm a 38, 24, 36, so I don't beg. I am Miss Wyoming. I'm going to post these pictures. I'm telling you, she's not She's not hideous. Her face is hideous, man. Again, I would rather have a pig with lipstick on. I don't think Dwight Schrute was getting anything better. Uh, I think Dwight Schrute could get better than this. I do I completely disagree. She even went on to explain that she didn't even derive any pleasure right. from those free days as she was too busy trying to satisfy him. She also states that it was impossible for a woman to rape a man, stating it's like trying to put a marshmallow into a parking meter. See, I think Keith came up with that line. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> a man can't be raped, honey. Well, that's like totally not true. His you know marshmallow what? dick. Men get a boner when they see, like, what? A half price sale. Well, men Jews get, get a boner. <laughs> All right, men get a boner. Jewish men. <laughs> men get a boner when they see fucking patio furniture. Anything can give us a boner, but but you know though that's the thing though. It's like if he if he's not obviously not aroused, you know, it's like how how are you gonna how are you gonna perform? But it's not just the penetration. Sex isn't just penetration, penetration. people. Oh my god, if you've been reading the joy of sex. Is this the beginning? Is that the first yeah. line? I'm illustrating it right now. I'm actually drawing, <laughs> drawing a dong. Is, is that what you're doing over there? Yeah, I'm just passing the time while we get through this intro. Like, you can't not draw a dong without putting uh, pubes and sperm. I usually put a little smiley face. <laughs> Where? Oh, and it's on the little cock hole. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? The media lapped it up, nicknaming her Madam Mayhem, as she spilled the juicy Heinz beans about such matters like the erotic benefits of oral sex. And with her southern accent and naturally blushed peach fuzz skin, she was like the Scarlet O'Hara of sexual liberation. The magistrates referred the case to trial, and they were granted bail. Joyce, who said her mental health was declining as she sat decaying in Holloway prison, oh boo-hoo, sold all and sundry to the press. 
She appeared on the front cover of the Daily Express and the Daily Mirror on the same day with similar stories. It was rumoured at the time that the Express had paid her 40 grand for her story, which is worth about a quarter of a mil today. Yeah, they, they paid her a lot, and they were, like, fighting for it. Oh, yeah. Like, each, each one was uh, offering a different amount. She promised to expose the maniacal Mormon church and smear the squeaky clean image of the Osmond family. Why would you ever want to do that? She's well, she's gonna she's besmirching the Osmonds. Not the Osmonds. They are innocents. We must protect them at all costs. Wow. She took out advertisements in variety, seeking agents and film studios. This woman's on bail at the minute, right? An ex crawled out of the woodwork and a story was due to run about her past as an S&M sex hostess alongside lewd and nude cheesecake pictures. But that couldn't run before the court day as the press would be found in contempt of court. But the media could court her star in other ways. This is what's coming to a great picture of her and Keith Moon. So Peter Torrey is a former RSC actor who drifted almost by accident into journalism. When Joyce was doing the London rounds, uh, Peter was deputy on the William Hickley gossip column in the Daily Express. So his boss, Peter McKay, suggested that Peter should take the uh, out-on-bail Joyce along to the premiere of a Jones Collins film. This is a great film called The Stud. Joan Collins is hot as shit in the stud. Well, that's the thing. They were whisking her off to all these different parties. She met, like, she was hanging out with the Stones. Keith she, Moon. She met the Bee Gees. Yeah, and that famous picture of her with Keith Moon. And she was just cruising around in a Rolls Royce, like, all over London. And meanwhile, what? She's out on bail. She's, yeah. She's yeah. so bold. <laughs> so photographs from this, night, uh, from this night showed Joyce wearing a dress that would make Elizabeth Hurley blush with anticipation some 20 years later. Whatever Joyce thought she was portraying, it was the opposite of God-fearing modesty. Peter Torrey says that he recognized a fellow actor when he saw one, someone who had slipped effortlessly into a role. Although her bail conditions meant that she had to live with her parents in North London, who had flown over to await trial with her, she was photographed living it up out and about in high-profile London clubs. But just weeks before her kidnapping trial was about to start, her... And her bestie, gay Keith May, with the help of Joyce's landlady, they just mysteriously disappeared. In April of 78, with fake passports, wigs and glasses, and claiming to be deaf mutes, they landed in Canada, which is actually the home of the deaf mute. After stepping off, uh, after probably stopping at Tim Hortons and probably pounding a poutine, they made their way back into the United States, disguised as nuns, on the run. It's Sister Act. <laughs> it is. I wonder if his first choice was like, I think we should do Charlie's Angels. And she's like, no, too obvious. Too obvious. Nuns. He's like, okay, how about nuns? Nuns on the run. And you know what the funniest thing about it? It's not like they were just on the run until they got to Canada and this kind of be- became normal. No, they disguised themselves as nuns for several months. Like bet, half a year. I bet Keith is like, I look amazing. <laughs> Don't I? <laughs> I wonder how like into it they got. Like if they were like get, you know going full to method. church and blessing. Yeah, like I wonder if they went full method. I went. They. Full, I think Keith definitely went full method. <laughs> About a week after they had disappeared, Peter Tory he received a phone call. She said she wanted to sell her story to the Daily Express. She gave me all this bullshit that it was the only paper she trusted, and I was the only journalist yeah, right. she trusted. She said she wanted forty thousand pounds in a suitcase. I said, "Just hold, just hold on, love." And I went to Jerick Jameson's office, who was the editor. I said, "I've got Joyce McKinney on the telephone. She wants to sell her story to us." Derek nearly fell off his chair. "Fuck me," he said. "What does she want?" 
I said she wants 40 grand in a suitcase. And so he said, well, give it to her. So I rushed back to the phone and I told her that would be fine. And where was I going to meet her? <laughs> I love how this editor's named Jameson. That's like the best name for an editor in a newspaper. This is like your boss when you're like, boss, I've got some, sp-, like your editor, I've got some Spider-Man pictures. <laughs> it's like, you got Spider-Man pictures. Give me them. Go with 40 grand in a suitcase. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Peter flew out to the Hilton in the uh, near the airport in Atlanta and he met the pair. They arrived covered in grease paint like characters from a really bad amateur production of Ali Baba. <laughs> Said yeah. Peter. So Peter described how they met, how he met them in the airport in these just bizarre disguises, as if they look look like Indian people. This is Keith. <laughs> Every day, Keith is like, "I've got a new costume." Yeah, Keith's like, "I got this idea here. We're gonna pull this off. Let's go as Indians. Call me Raji." <laughs> Raji. <laughs> Paranoid about the FBI who were tracking her. She said Peter, she made Peter bounce from hotel to hotel around the southern states. Um, it was a largely self-glorifying uh, narrative and Peter believed every word. She told it in a colorful way. But there was no sense that she had ever been ever anything but a sweet country girl. And she got caught up in this business in London and everything was part of a Mormon conspiracy. Yeah, sure. Peter says, I thought it was a bit boring, really, but I thought, here I am involved in a great scoop. I was never a proper reporter. You know that guy was just living it up. Hotel yeah. to hotel on the dime of the Daily Express. Yeah, and he's partying. Just, he's like an out-of-work jobbing actor. He's like, this would have been fun. Meanwhile, back in old London town, with the papers warring over words of the whole salacious scandal, and with the FBI hot on the heels of Joyce and uh, Bestie Keefe, the papers promised to release, they pushed to release the previously unpublished photos and sex hostess secrets. If you just type in Joyce McKinney nude, do Google search, you'll see all the pictures. Yeah, and then just like, don't look at her face and maybe just type in like cow with a feather boa because that's nicer to look at. I think it depends on how horny you are, <laughs> whether or not you want to look at her face. It, whoa, would you be so horny that you would ever shag a cow with a feather boa on? I don't think she looks like a cow. She's got a good body. Yeah, her face is terrible. So is that, she looks like um. She definitely is a butterface. She looks like Squeaky From, but like as if Squeaky From isn't like even more mental. <laughs> it was on Monday, uh, the twenty second of May, nineteen seventy eight, that the Daily Express published the Joyce McKinney story under the front page headline: "My Undying Carnation in Her Teeth." For the first time yesterday, read the opening paragraph. Joyce McKinney talked freely about the love affair between her astonishing sex and chains kidnapping case. She described her love for Kirk as tender, profound, indestructible. <laughs> she, this woman has read some Virginia Andrews books in her time. I think she got it all from the joy of sex. <laughs> Just memorize that book. And on the same day, the Daily Mirror also had McKinney on its front page. This time she was naked, staring at the camera with a less than innocent expression. The headline was, The Real McKinney. And the report began, She called herself Little Miss Perfect. But there was another side to the runaway beauty queen, Joyce McKinney. As a sex hostess, she earned 25 grand in 18 months on America's shady vice circuit. Well, that's the thing I was wondering about when I was reading about her. Is that, So she, yeah, she, she, she probably made some money selling the story. You know, but she couldn't. She spent her entire life savings chasing Kirk, Kirk Anderson down. She probably made a little bit of money selling the story, but she probably had the, I don't know how it works here, but I'm sure they had to hire legal counsel. Right. You know, so I mean, how much money could she possibly have? So what was she doing? 
We'll get more into her finances later on. I think she was hooking. Awaiting news of her paid published piece uh, in hiding in Myrtle Beach, a friend phoned her to tell her about the Mirror's front page. Peter Torrey, he he was there, probably with a whiskey in his hand, a cigarette in the other. Um, It would be a Benson and Hedges cigarette. It was like something from The Exorcist. She screamed and she screamed and she appeared to me to be about to jump off the balcony. She ran for the balcony and she tottered the curtain down. I thought, God, she's going to go over the edge. And there were these American tourists underneath in deck chairs. She would have taken them with her. You know, Keith is in there. Oh, she does it all the time. She'll Cal- be, she'll get over it in about five minutes. Don't no, worry. You mean like, calm down, honey. <laughs> calm down. Despite her protests, they actually took her to the hospital for sedation. <laughs> and then her parents were summoned from their home in North Carolina. Right. Her parents, I feel, are 100% part of the problem. Because if my child had absconded to a different country, raped someone, there is no chance in hell that I would leave my life and then go and live with them. No, and I then just run disowned. after them. I'd be like, like, you're on your own, though, right? Yeah, Psycho? I'd be like, you're a fucking rapist. You're also like this weird high-class escort. I don't know what's going on with you. That's it. Ties are cut. She arrived, the parents arrived the next morning as the sedative wore off. Joyce went straight back to batshit crazy, and she sank her teeth into her father's arm as he tried to comfort her. She's like biting people now. Yeah, she's worse than a cow. She is a cow with a feather boa. I don't think she looks like a cow. <laughs> People, I think you can it, no, be the I'm judge a, of it. I'm saying a cow is better looking than Joyce McKinney. <laughs> I would go to like I would go to a cinema date with a cow. On the 18th of July, 1979, Joyce and Keith were both arrested by the FBI on charges of making false statements in order to obtain passports. They weren't extradited back to the UK, never standing trial or facing justice for what they both did to Kirk Anderson. Instead, they received suspended sentences. I wonder what uh, disguises they're wearing when they're trying to get these passports. <laughs> Oompa Loompas or something? <laughs> I don't even know. That would be the best one. <laughs> All orange with like green hair. I wish. Yeah. Well, Scotland Yard, though, at this point, just was like, we're not even going to try to extradite her. We don't even want her back. So who cares? <laughs> Probably sick of hearing about her in the press. I-, I think at that point, they're just like, we don't even want her in the country. So you keep her. And this is nearly where the story ended for the tale of the manacled Mormon, except five years later, Joyce was once again arrested, this time for stalking. And who was she stalking, D. Simon? Dwayne That's Tree. right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Kirk. Kirk Anderson. You gotta, Kirk. you gotta admire her tenacity. Oh, my God. Keeps her eyes on the prize. Poor Kirk. I bet she, all she's done is lie about him. She put him for this horrible ordeal. And now in 1984, he spotted Joyce sitting in her car near his workplace at the airport in Salt Lake City. Authorities found a notebook full of information about Kirk's day-to-day activities and movements. In the trunk of her car, they found chains and a pair of handcuffs. Do you think it was the same ones? Oh my God, that would be so romantic (laughs) with the same sheet that had K-A on it. It's all covered in semen. Well, no, it'd be pussy juice, wouldn't it? Both. Yeah, whatever. She told the police that she just wanted to talk to him again. And Kirk was totally taken aback. He said, I never expected Joyce McKinney to reappear in my life in any shape or form. Joyce claimed that she was just passing by. Just passing by, thought she would say hello. Um, As for Kirk, bless him, he's kept a quiet life. Little is known about him other than that he is married to children and he still lives somewhere in America, probably somewhere in uh, SLC. He probably stayed in Utah. Yeah. 
He declined to be interviewed for the Errol Morris documentary Tabloid, which was all about the case. He never received justice for the crimes that occurred to him. And despite what you may think, a 2017 report from the U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics concluded that the actual case reports contradict the common belief that female sexual um, perpetration is rare. One study quoted in the report found that 43% of the 284 college and high school males interviewed stated that they had been sexually coerced and that 95% of the incidents had been perpetuated by horny females. I can believe it. I've never talked about the first time I met Kate Rambo. (laughs) Didn't we on the Patreon (laughs) talk about it? You got over it. So, you know, I read that uh, Kirk was completely shocked when he saw her. Wouldn't you be, though? Yeah, he was just like the last person I ever wanted to see again. I think this shows what a nice guy Kirk is, because had that been me... I would have gone for her. Do you know? I would have like been breaking like the window of the car. Well, he's a Ned Flanders type. He's he is like, a very yeah, sweet Ned the Flanders. Bible boy. He is a Bible boy. But I'm wondering if like, do you think she called Keith back and like, <laughs> let's just let's get back on the horse? Come on, Keith. The band is getting back together. <laughs> he's like, I got an idea. We're going as the Golden Girls. <laughs> it would be like no, it'd be like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. He's like, I'm gonna get us, a, I'm gonna get us a Greyhound bus. I've got all these costumes, and we're gonna hit up every town along the way. That's what they should have done. Get the gang back together. Getting the gang back yep. together. She was in trouble with the police on several occasions, including alleged burglary and solicitation in 1994. In the same year, she was also briefly committed for psychiatric treatment, and doctors found that she had been abusing cocaine, morphine, and cannabis. Go figure. I can't believe she's on drugs. Let's strike the cannabis, though. I don't think you can abuse cannabis. Can you? Unless, you know, if you're a wake and bake type and you never get anything done, then maybe you're abusing it. I've known some stoners who abuse cannabis. Well, I've been a stoner who's abused cannabis. Haven't we all? After that, she was not heard from again until she gave an interview in 1999. She's living in isolation in a shack on the Tennessee North Carolina border, she's relying on a wheelchair. Hamburger the Pitbull, whom she kidnapped from a shelter a day before he was about to be put down, pulled her wheel- wheelchair. I love Pitbulls, she told the Daily Mail. They're such sympathetic animals. They're my kind of dog. Wait, wait a talks. second. So she has a Pitbull that's like hooked up to a wheelchair, like like a, like a husky? Yeah, and he pulls her. And he oh my pulls, God. Her, pulls her around? Yeah, they're such sympathetic animals. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's like having a donkey. Our beloved Keith May of uh, <laughs> of B-52s, he died in 2004. I think he got buried in a costume. Do you think he had AIDS? Uh, he could have had AIDS, but or I think maybe. he definitely got buried in a costume. I think he went in like just straight out like Liberace. Oh, I hope Full so. Full on Liberace outfit. Yeah. Keith, rest God in peace. God bless him. Yeah, God <laughs> bless him. You know, I'm going to drink to Keith May. Yeah, that's a little sick. He, he's, the, he's the hero. Though. He's the protagonist of the story. <laughs> yes. um, you want a bestie like Keith who's like, he's your ride or die. You come to your pal Keith and say, I'm doing this. I'm going to kidnap him. I'm going to take off his sexual, uh, his special underwear. I'm going to fucking rape him. And Keith is like, get it. I'm down for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best yeah. friend. A ride or die ho. Um, in 2004, this is the same year she was charged with instructing a 15-year-old boy to break into the house in the neighboring state of Tennessee, apparently to raise money to buy a false leg for a beloved 
Horse. How does how does that make any sense? How so she, <laughs> the was, whole sentence, Dee. She was coer- coercing a fifteen year old boy to break into a house to steal something to raise money to buy a false leg for a beloved horse. How is she? How is she going to raise money? Well, because she'd be like, go and do this B and E. I know this like mansion in Tennessee. Okay, so he was stealing things for her so she could get the fake leg for the horse. Yeah, she's like, go to Johnny Cash's house. He's not going to be there. He's going to be in Jamaica. Okay, and while you're in, just like steal his gold records, and then my horse, like Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt will live. Question: Can horses walk with a fake leg? A peg leg? (laughs) They can't. I don't know. I think maybe it depends where it's. They shoot them. They shoot horses, don't they? Well, when they yeah, when they break their leg. You want to know? I don't think you can put a fake leg. You can't put a prosthetic limb on a horse. Do you want to know an interesting horsey fact while we're here? I can be a horse girl for a minute. Hmm. So, a horse's legs, like imagine your five fingers held up. Horses walk on their middle fingers. So a horse. Yeah, I bet. No, it's their skeleton. It's the way they've evolved. So when they're walking, they're just going fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. They don't have fingers. No, but that's how they've evolved. Their skeletons, uh, middle fingers, is their legs. Their front two legs are middle fingers. What, what about their other fingers? They weren't born with enough middle fingers, the horses. They were just born with one finger. No, their two middle fingers are their front legs. That's how they've evolved, their skeletons. This is you're gonna have to draw this out. I will for have me. to show you a <laughs> this picture. This is making no sense. So they don't even have fingers to begin with. So you're saying that they did have fingers and they evolved into just having two middle fingers that they use as legs. Right. Their legs are middle. What would be our middle fingers? Their We're, front legs. I don't know which Darwin <laughs> you're reading. <laughs> this isn't making sense. I will show you afterwards. Okay? <laughs> That's our night after this. We're not reading The Joy of Sex. We're going to look at horse skeletons. The Joy of Horse Skeletons. <laughs> Joyce is back in the headlines in 2008 because she just can't help herself. And this is actually how I first heard about her and how a lot of other Brits my age will know about her and her crazy batshit story. Under the name Burnham, which is her binal name, she reportedly ordered a South Korean laboratory to clone her beloved deceased pit bull, uh, Booger, Booger. <laughs> That's a great name for a dog, by the way. Booger. 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 Is it Booger, Booger? That's Booger. Is Booger like a nose Booger? Yeah, it's Booger. But you couldn't... You booger from Revenge of the Nerds. You can't call a, you can't call a dog in Britain Booger. Why, because you're going to say, booger? No, because you know what a booger is here? A bugger? Yeah, you bloody booger. This is booger. This is like a booger. Like, what do you call a booger in your nose? A bogey. A bogey? A bogey. you call a booger in your nose? Yeah, we would never say booger. You could, like, right, if you're in the park at, like, nine at night and you're going, booger, booger, everyone's just going to be like. Like you saw George Michael or something. Yeah. So she became the first person in history to order and then own cloned puppies. Yeah, she needed someone to pull her fat ass around in that wheelchair. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I need two more boogers, please. <laughs> For my chebs. For veteran journalists, this was something oddly familiar about. There was something oddly familiar about this chubby dog lover who had paid a scientist 25 grand to have five puppies cloned from her pit bull. <laughs> Initially, she denied it, but eventually she had to admit that, yes, she was the Joyce McKinney. When asked if she was the same Joyce McKinney of manacled Mormon fame, she supposedly snapped, are you going to ask me about my dogs or not? Because that's all I'm prepared to talk about with you. You know, 25 grand to have five puppies cloned doesn't seem like it's that much. 
I suppose it's not when, like, how much did you pay for your weird cat? Yeah, I paid like a thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, so it's not really that much. Yeah, twenty-five grand to get five puppies cloned from this uh, pit bull. I should have done that with Hecubus. So when they're cloned, are they like a personality exact replica, or is it just looks? I think it's just physically they look like it. I don't think the personality would match. I don't think there's any way you can clone that. This raises the question of: if you were cloned, would you have sex with your clone? No. Because your clone knows how to touch you in like the best way. I know. I don't think I'd be attracted to my. I'm not, attra- I'm not <laughs> attracted to myself in that way. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine two of you just hocking up phlegm together and going, "Oh, hey." No, I, d- I definitely would not be attracted to myself. Like, would you have sex with yourself? I would probably be like, "You are so narky. Can you just like get out <laughs> of my space?" <laughs> I just want to sit and read quietly. Leave me alone. Pick my bogies. In my, in my bogies. <laughs> So Joyce remains defiant in a runette for every kiss you'll give me. I will give you free, mad, bad, and dangerous to no type way. In 2011, at the age of 60, as she sat in her small, junk-filled home, I can't relate to that, in Riverside, she says, I'm elderly now. I have a heart condition. I've got an ear infection. I'm crippled. I'm partially blind. I'm just a little old lady looking back, eyes misting on an incredible lost love. God, she's still thinking about Kirk. It's like, get the fuck over it, man. <laughs> yeah. There has been no romance in her life since the manacled Mormon. She says, I was afraid to have a love affair of any kind after Kirk. I was afraid to kiss a man. So I chose just to be celibate. As Bridget Bardot once said, I gave my youth to men and I give my old age to dogs. Dogs and children love Joyce McKinney. Uh, they sense in me an innocence. A gentleness. What was Bridget Bardot doing with those dogs? Well, I mean, probably teaching them fascist ideology, knowing Bridget Bardot. (laughs) (laughs) Joyce remains as pathetically deluded as ever, seeing an international Mormon conspiracy to ruin her behind every setback in her life. And she refused to believe the agenda pushed in the Errol Morris documentary, saying that Kirk was an incurable romantic just like her. She toured the US going to more than a dozen screenings, often in disguise, in a costume, before jumping out at the final moment, shouting, I'm Joyce McKinney. Poor Keith never got to go to any of these screenings. He Keith, would have loved it. Keith would have loved it, being like, Keith, we're going to go in disguise. Yes. I'm going to share. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what's funny? So she did go to all these screenings and she did jump out and try to like savor the fame of being Joyce McKinney, but she wasn't pleased at all how she was portrayed in the film. And she ended up suing the famous documentarian Errol Morris for the way he portrayed her in the 2011 expose of the sexual assault tabloid. This has got Mitch Winehouse written all over it. So in November 2011, uh, Joyce filed a lawsuit with the L.A. uh, County Superior Court against Errol Morris, claiming that Morris and his producer, Mark Libson, misled her into believing she was being interviewed for a series, a television series, about innocent people whose lives were ruined by the media and by the paparazzi, um, and that she wasn't aware until after the documentary came out that would be a feature-length film focused completely on the Manacled Mormon case. And so she was dismayed. And so she sued on the grounds that she was defamed as the film portrays her as a crazy sex offender, an S&M prostitute, and a rapist. Joyce, you are all of those things. <laughs> like, embrace it. Get over it. Well, don't embrace being a rapist. You couldn't. She said, they offered me 45,000 pounds to settle. They're on 65 grand. And I told them, they could kiss my butt. <laughs> 
That's what she told the Hollywood Reporter. She said, they made millions off me. I'm going to take it all the way to the end. I want my day in court. And so she was suing for breach of contract, fraud, and infliction of emotional distress. And in uh, 2013, two years later, the case was found in Morris's favor. Nice. Well, that didn't stop Joyce. Of course it didn't. She filed another suit in January 2016, three years later, again claiming that the film had misrepresented her and that Morris and his associates had broken into her home, stolen personal items related to the case, threatened the life of her service dog if she did not sign these release papers allowing them to use the footage for the film. Yeah, right. <laughs> Legal representatives from Morris say that evidence will show that she willingly... In fact, eagerly participate in the lengthy interview that's featured in this film. And so Mer- Morris stated later that uh, later that year that the case had been dismissed because it was completely frivolous. Of course it is. Errol <laughs> Morris insane. is a lovely guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, she, she's insane. And you could tell, like, some narcissistic, obsessive, psychotic woman like uh, Joyce McKinney was probably just giving him, oh, use my nudes. You know, yeah. just giving him everything and doing interviews. I mean, she was interviewed like for hours for this documentary she had to be she knew what she was doing no one knows how she supports herself she's never been noted as having a job she probably lives off the savings from her parents marilyn and davis both of whom are now dead the film may portray her as an odd eccentric but locals from her hometown remember as remember her as the sort of person you want to avoid the type who sets she set her dog on people, and then she's the one who sues you for setting her dog on you. Just see this crazy old lady just like cruising around in her, uh, in, her in her wheelchair, mush, mush. Yeah, these, these five fucking these five pitbulls, these replica pitbulls. Yeah, <laughs> Joyce McKinney went from beauty queen to mom and teen dream to sleaze queen. Her name is now synonymous with being entirely distasteful in the press and for being a total cunt. She was a prototype for today's celebrity culture in which zero talent means nothing when you have attention. Her only misfortune actually might have been that she was maybe too ahead of her time. She tied a man down when he didn't want to be tied down. And instead of feeling shame or guilt or any remorse, she's milked it for every little thing it was worth. And she suckled at the media teat for another 15 minutes of fame, glorious fame. It's Sunset Boulevard starring Joyce McKinney as she sits in her wheelchair, surrounded by her clone dogs, begging for her next close-up, no matter how ugly it reveals her to be. (laughs) Rest in peace, Keith May. (laughs) That's the thing. Keith May is the hero. But you know what, people? This is a cautionary tale. Completely. You know, people, um, you know, for people who are on Instagram, who are on, like, social media, just... You know, TikTok, taking these videos, just looking for their 15 minutes of fame. It's empty, people. Just think about it. You might get those 15 minutes. You might get those 200,000 followers. But in the end, you'll be like Joyce McKinney, surrounded by your clone dogs and your sadness, (laughs) pining away for lost Mormon love. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. Anyway, people, this is episode 855 here, Sick and Wrong. we got some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. D. Simon. Lance Wackerly. Some folks call them podcrafters. I call them assholes. Mm-hmm. I reckon I better tell you my sick and wrong story. Mm-hmm. I looked in the window and caught my mama working herself good with some sort of pussy toy. Mm-hmm. Some folks call it a rotating G-spot vibrating dildo from adamandeve.com. I call it a pussy toy. 
kind of shaped like a nanner. Mm-hmm. I guess my mama entered the code word diddle at checkout and got 50% off almost any item, three free adult DVDs, and a gift so sensual I can't even mention it. Mm-hmm. I reckon I'll get back to my biscuits and mustard and jerking off to D and Lance. That's funny and queer, not funny, ha ha. So we've got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. Or you can email us, sickerhomepodcast at uh, gmail.com. So it's always nice to catch up with listeners. Always. You ever think about that? Because, like, you know, everyone's living their lives. We're, li- we're living our lives partially on this pod crap because we talk about it all the time. But we never really know what's going on with the listeners unless they reach out to us. To tell us. And let us know. Or sometimes they'll post on, like, Facebook. You'll see something like that. And this listener in particular, I hadn't heard from this guy in a while. And I was like, I wonder what's going on with him. Turns out he just had a kid. L-I-V-I-N. The Wad. The Wad. No yeah, it's way. been a while since I've heard from the Wad. So anyway, the Wad calls us calls in here with a two-part, just kind of catching up. Catching up with what's going on. Hello, Kate and D. It's me, the Wad. I've had a pretty crazy year. So there's been many changes in my life. Uh, first thing I'll bring up is that I am no longer on testosterone replacement therapy. Good. I like how that's the first thing he brings up. You had a fucking kid. Well, I mean, it obviously worked. His testosterone replacement therapy has filled him with so much testosterone that, that he, he was, was able to have a kid. Is he, that he had why? super sperm, obviously, then. But is that why he went on testosterone therapy? Is because he was shooting blanks or something? Maybe. I think he did try to explain it to us, but both you and I were quite narrow-minded about it. We just thought his like his dick would turn into a clit or something. No, I don't think he was doing that. I don't. I don't think he was doing it to get like female organs. Was it be? Was it so he could get a larger dick? It has like, the so opposite grow effect, it. doesn't it, mate? Think of all the wrestlers. It has when you take too much testosterone, your little pee pee shrinks and it becomes. Oh, a so clit. maybe are you That's saying his was dick saying. was too big, and so he was trying to shrink it? Maybe he was doing that for the safety of womankind, because if your dick is too big and you can't like mash it into a woman, then yeah, maybe you want to shrink it a bit. I think it has something to do with sperm production. <laughs> Just go get the joy of sex, Wad. Yeah, man. <laughs> Get in there. Get in there. Did make me stronger, but oh, not enough to be okay with the side effects. He was doing weightlifting. It royally shrank my balls. Whoa, so that does it's happen. It's really yeah, weird having tiny balls. It was literally uncomfortable to jerk off. Oh. You know how sometimes one of your balls can kind of like roll up inside you? That seems to happen a lot more often when you have tiny balls. That would be weird. So you know that little hole? You know, you can pop your balls into that little hole. Uh, yeah, it's on like both sides. I forgot me and Harrison did a whole thing about that. Well, that's where if you were having um, surgery to become a woman. They just shove it in there? That's the hole. That's your vagina hole because all fetuses. I'm being a scientist this episode of my like factual knowledge. You know, first the horse skeleton, now this. But because all fetuses start out as women, that's your vajayjay. Well, a lot of uh, trans people actually shove their thing in the you know, into shove, their JJ hole yeah, their, their organs into that hole I forget what the hole is called but they do that it's and, a then, and that's how they yeah they they kind of go about their day because it like hides their genitalia but sometimes it can get stuck in the kalaka well, some be... people like find it pleasurable 
Oh, really? Yeah. Have you ever stuck your balls up into your kalaka? No, I, I never have. But what I was thinking when he was saying this, like, it would be weird to, like, you know, because you know your body. You're used to your dick. You're used to your junk. You're used to the size of your junk. And then all of a sudden, be one day, like, wow, my balls are shrinking. Like, I wonder if you would immediately notice or if you're just kind of, right. like, wondering, you know, you're probably, he's probably not whacking off every day, but probably a couple times a week. I wonder if it's like gradually getting smaller to the point where it's like you got two little marbles. You know, when you work with someone and they like start losing weight, immediately you don't notice. But then after like maybe six weeks, you're like, hang on, you've lost some weight there, buddy. I bet it was like that. After six weeks, his wife was like, your balls Dude, look like M&Ms. What's what going on? What happened nuts? Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be a weird realization. It also seemed to make my body odor more pungent. Sometimes oh. I'd fall asleep after work without taking a shower, and then I'd wake up and just smell myself in the room. And- Did you get hairier, Rod? Because, I mean, Arab dudes are pretty hairy anyway. But I wonder if you just got even hairier. That's true. Like gorilla back. Ooh, with shoulder. tiny little balls. Sh- shoulder and back hair is horrible. Other possible side effects is that you'll be shooting blanks while you're on them. There you go. Because your balls won't be working as hard to create sperm with the extra testosterone you're putting in your body. Because they're so like they pencil told me erasers. that it would last three to six months after discontinuing use, and then my balls would start producing normal sperm again. And exactly six months after I stopped taking it, we found out my wife was pregnant. And this time it was planned. And <laughs> this time. Upon receiving the first... Getting the first sonogram, we found out that we were having fraternal twin girls. Oh, I didn't realize he had twins. I knew he had two. So is fraternal where they look the same? No, I think, uh, no, it's, I think it's, they're identical twins if they look the same. I think fraternal. Oh, right, right. Yeah, they're just two, two twins born at the same time. Here's the question, though, because this is always the question with the twins. Which is the evil one? Yeah, there probably is. I think they're both evil. I think twins are fucking just. They, they, they creep me saying. out. They I, creep me out. Twins creep me out. I thought you were saying they're both evil because they're from the wards, lions. Then no, I wouldn't say that. I'm, I'm sure he's a great dad, and and also Mazel Tov, Wad. Mazel Tov. That's oh, yeah, amazing. Con- congratulations. Kids. Yeah, congrats. That's if you're awesome. into that sort of thing, mate. Yeah, I think that's that's great. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. Twins creep me out. Like shining twins. Like with a- any twins. Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. An identical twins creep me out more than just fraternal. What creeps me out more is probably like triplets, or like when there's four of them, or five well, of them. Yeah, that would creep me out more than just two that like, look identical. I went to school with a pair of twins, so I'm probably like just desensitized to the weirdness of them. But like triplets, I don't think I've ever seen triplets like in real life. I don't think I have either. Actually, you know, I went to college with a couple of twins. Um, I don't want to say their name here, but. Uh, my freshman year, and they would wear each other's clothes. Like, they even, they just would, you know, they grew up together, and they just, you know, wear, yeah, wear the not? same clothes. Yeah, why not? Would, would you want your own identity? Well, yeah, but it's also very handy to have a twin, isn't it, in the dead ringers, Jeremy Irons type way. Well, that's the other thing. They would bone each other's girlfriends, too. Yeah, exactly. They not, do it. not long-term girlfriends, but when they first started dating it's one. shags. They would, yeah, when they first started, and they were like in a fraternity, so they used to get a lot of ass, and they would just kind of like, yeah, he would just put on the clothes of the other one, you know, because you couldn't really tell them apart. I never could tell them apart. Was this the sexy animal house that didn't go to theaters, but went straight to Pornhub? 
I don't know about his. I don't, I don't. I've never been to their fraternity, so I don't know how that went. But I, we used to see them bring girls back, and I was like, I wonder if they like you know tag team that, like switch off. Like if one's like, ah, I'm tired today, you can bone her. Probably if they were, yeah. And then you'd be like, let's see if the girl even notices, because you'd like to think that they would notice, because they even though they look exactly the same, there's always subtle differences. Well, I asked him about that. He was just like, yeah, we've been doing it since high school. <laughs> Day dogs. <laughs> would you be upset? Oh my god, they're Eskimo brothers with each other. So not only are they brothers, they're also Eskimo brothers with each other, which is kind of a bit like, oh, it's a bit gross. Would you be upset? Um, or would you want that want it at the same time? What and be the lucky Pierre? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's incest. If I was, if they were both, in, if they both had their cocks inside of me and were plowing away, that's incest because their dicks would be touching my vaginal wall and my like inside, like what my e- my anus, ass yeah. wall, my ass wall, and the the tips of their dicks would be touching each yeah, other. Yeah, they'd be separated by a membrane. No, but the the, the their dicks are still touching well, each other. And their balls are touching each other. So you're just saying other. it's incest. It's incest, yes. If you're shagging a pair of siblings at the same time, it's incest. Okay, well, what if uh, you were sh- you were dating one and then you found out that they switched just to try you out? Would you be upset? Like, Fuck would yeah. you break up? You would break up? Yes, of course. I don't you're want so to shag. Intolerant. I, mean, I don't want to shag your brother. Your Wait, brother's ugly. Like him. I'd be like, your brother's ugly compared to you. That's it. It's over. And then I would like plant the seeds of, what do you mean? My brother's ugly. He looks just like me. <laughs> I already have a 10-year-old daughter, so, yeah, I am now one of those dudes with three daughters. My girls were born on July 6th via scheduled C-section. Ouch. My wife was at 38 weeks. She was absolutely enormous. <laughs> and when wow. they took out the babies, they weighed a combined total of 13 pounds, about six and a half pounds each. And at this time, my wife was really adamant about breastfeeding. However... Yes. Once we got home, my wife started using this breast pump we got from Walmart. She started having issues. My wife's titties became completely engorged. They appeared to have doubled in size. And they felt... Well, this is funny. It's kind of ironic. His balls shrank to, like, peanuts, <laughs> and her titties just, like, grew to watermelons. In my mind, I'm already in the Pornhub section now, and he's going to be fucking her titties and drinking her milk. With his tiny balls? With his tiny balls in his mouth. And plus, like, <laughs> he's also an Arab, so he's probably going to be milking her and selling it and saying it's goat's milk. <laughs> That's what his dad would have done. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> really heavy. We had to go back to the hospital and see the lactation specialist. Ooh. She was a big help, and we ended up renting the uh, heavy-duty industrial-strength no. breast pump from the hospital. Apparently, the uh, Walmart breast pump was not strong enough for my wife's big, beautiful black titties. The lactation specialist even reported, repeatedly referred to my wife as a milk goddess. Stop saying lactation. I was please. about to say, she's like a milking machine. Like, I don't know what, what it is about like breastfeeding. It really grosses me out. Yeah, I think it's kind of... But, but I mean, do you find milk gross? Like milking a cow? I have milked a cow. I've also milked a goat. But when I did would... you milk a cow? In my, in my youth, David. While you I was skipping through fields of wheats, I've also, like, yeah, I've milked a goat. I've milked a cow. I How have also cu- drunk breast milk. How many Cumbrian men have you milked? Oh, hundreds. <laughs> At this point in my life, I just can't even go back through them all. Wait, when did you drink breast milk? I've, t- I've told that story in the Patreon before, definitely. It was at the uh, party in Glasgow, and she was like, oh, I've got so many. I- she came round with, like, it in the... Uh, 
like you know the bottle that they give babies and everyone was just doing shots from it i was like disgusting Fuck it. it's kind is that, of is that normal in scotland i just think it was a funny turn she was swedish we were all kind of drunk it was like it was funny she fit yeah she's swedish you just heard me say she's swedish uh, did you get to see her like drink it straight from the titty I should have asked her if I could stand across the room and she could just like, because when, when they get good at the, the breastfeeding, they can shoot it, can't they? They yeah. can aim that fucker. And I should have said, "Let I'll stand across the room and you can aim into my mouth. But I was I, drunk and back young. In, back in the day in the uh, the old roaring 20s when he was a strip club <laughs> DJ, there was a stripper named Coco that just had a kid. Massive, massive lactate breast. And she had to pump at the club. But one of her her favorite things to do is when dudes weren't tipping in the front row, she would just like squeeze and just shoot them in the face. It's gross, but <laughs> it's, it's also, so gross. Oh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I can see why it's sexy, but no, not for me. No, it's so gross. It really is. Anyway, um, that's, a, that's insane. So she, she was producing too much milk for the Walmart breast pump and they had to get like the breast pump 10,000 from uh, the industrial strength Wouldn't, line. I would never have trusted a Walmart breast pump in the first place. I don't know. I mean, you like buy buying... tons of baby shit at Walmart. Yeah, but when you buy a flashlight, do you buy a flashlight from Walmart or do you go to the pleasure chest? I don't know. If Walmart sold them, you know, I probably would go there because it's more convenient. Walmart would sell like what a hollowed out melon that you put in the microwave. No, I think of name brand shit there. But, no, it's not the same. You go, you I'd go to the tar- I would get a Target flashlight if they sold them. It'd be just more convenient. Target's a bit different to a Walmart though. Yeah, I, about the same. I know because I'm an expert on America now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've ever. Have you been to a Walmart? <laughs> no, because it's not in LA. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't really find any in LA. <laughs> Um, wow, so what did you do with all this milk? Like, was she just producing way more milk because she had more kids? This is, is that, how... Is like, she had, like, double, this, what's double about, the amount of milk? What's about to tell us about his sex life and what they got up to now? Oh, God, I don't even know... I don't even want to know what he did with all that milk. Hello, Kate and Dee. It's me again with part two. So, after I found out that I had two more kids on the way... I decided to finally get a real job. For the past year and a half, I've been uh, what I've referred to as a uh, professional Mexican. (laughs) I've had uh, several different hustles, uh, DoorDash, Instacart, uh, Walking Dog with uh, Wag and Rover. I like that. Had a part-time job at a uh, sporting goods store. Uh, I even put in some time at this really ghetto convenience store owned by one of my half-brothers. I almost feel like when I asked my wife if I should pull out, she's probably thinking, no, don't pull out. I'll make this motherfucker get a real job. <laughs> but now... Well, because she'll have another kid. Jesus. Another two kids. Yeah. No, you know, Maud lives in, like, some Midwestern town where you could just have, like, a bunch of jobs like that. Like, you could be a dog walker and still be able to afford your, you know, your rent. Well, it's like me. I work in a warehouse. Yeah, like here. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, you know, in your town, yeah, you could. Whereas, you know, in Los Angeles, you kind of need to make a little more money than that. Oh, in Los Angeles, the real city. Where any you need city, to get a real New York, job. or in yeah, like no, I mean, the, you live when you live in like a like Chicago, you can't just dog walk for a living. Maybe as a side hustle. I miss his dog walking days though, because every so often I would open up Facebook, like whenever I did, and it would just be like these pictures of delightful dogs. And that's all I want to see on Facebook. I think it'd be kind of a cool job, to be I honest. I think it'd be the best job. You put your headphones in, you get on with it. There's dogs around you. I mean, come on. 
Although in LA, didn't uh, Lady Gaga's dog walker get shot? Yeah, in your hood. Yeah, like a few blocks away. He was the the gayest man. We were talking about Keith maybe in the gayest man alive, but that dog walker was the gayest man alive. He gave his. He almost gave his life for those dogs. Why? I'd be like, take this fucking dog. <laughs> I, I'd probably sell them. <laughs> I have a union job, driving a forklift. All I do is just take pallets from point A to point B. Like me. And so far, it's the best paying job I've ever had. Like me. Just like Kate Rambo. Oh my god. The Ward has taken a leaf out of my book, and he is an FLT driver. Yeah, you guys both drive forklifts. Holy shit, we could be in the crew together, Ward. Who would win in a race? Me. I've, I've had years of experience. I can do tricks. Wow. So wait, are, but there's no union here, right? There is unions, but they're useless. They're useless, yeah. But the unions in the in the States, that's like a job for life, you know? I mean, oh, Ward's going to be set. Fuck Got yeah, Ward. Good benefits for the family. I would like to know, what, how many tons can you handle? Because I can handle many tons. <laughs> many tons. Many tons. I get extra incentive pay if I exceed my quota. And we're allowed to have Bluetooth speakers. So I've been like royally busting my ass driving around listening to old school death metal. Nice. <laughs> Great being able to listen to obituary and death while at work. Yeah. Really ups my motivation. It does. I just. Yeah, I'd be rocking the Dia side. That's honestly the best part of my job is that I can just put headphones in. I can listen to like 40 hours worth of podcasts. And then in between that, I'm just like rocking out to like Slade and shit. Yeah, but do you ever hear it when like you run over someone's foot? No, because I'm... they're screaming? No, because it's not like that. You just drive good. away? Yeah, fuck just drive you. away. Yeah, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> Recently made in 40 hours what I used to make in almost 60 at the tire shop. Wow, nice. And I get really I get really good benefits as well. Nice. And uh yeah, that's all I have to say for now. Uh love you. I I, I did there is a uh, one thing I wanted to uh I'm going to be call I'm going to be uh, sending you guys another one uh about a uh, I actually had to get a prostate exam once, oh. and I figured uh, maybe D might be able to relate to that with his recent colonoscopy. Keep it sick, keep it wrong. Thanks. Well, congrats, Wad. Um, I'm happy that you had a you had a couple kids. I'm I'm more happy that he's now part of the warehouse FLT <laughs> crew than the kids. Join the club. Congratulations, Wad. You know what? Uh, I am actually excited that you're gonna you're gonna call in with another story that uh, definitely I can relate to. But I thought they don't do prostate exams anymore. I thought they uh, either shit in a box, or you you go in for the whole colonoscopy. Like, where are you getting this prostate exam? Maybe they were checking like to see if he could get a boner or not. Why? Because of his little balls? Isn't it on which American Pie is it where like him um, Stifler? Gets the nurse to slip a finger in his ass so that he can like come better. I've not made that up. That's an American Pie. D- did you dream this? No. When's in a it? wet dream. No, this is an. This Amer- dream wasn't dry. This is Stifler, isn't it? In American Pie, he gets like the the, the fit nurse who looks like like a nurse who could be on a Blink One Eight Two album cover to put a finger up his ass, and he comes really hard. I mean, milking the prostate. He's milking the prostate. So maybe, but the, it oh, is a nursing Wad thing. You think Wad was getting his prostate milk? I think he was. 
Well, usually they also do it to see this, check the size of your prostate. Or they used to, but I heard they don't do that anymore. Maybe this was back in the day. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we say recently, but uh, we'd have to check. You know, uh, funny you should mention American Pie. I was reading a, an article that uh, the woman that played Stifler's mom, I think Jennifer Coolidge. Yes. She said because of that movie, Stifler's, Stifler's mom, she had sex with 200 men. I love Jennifer Coolidge, and I'm very happy for her that that, that happened for her. So it opened up a lot of avenues, <laughs> sexual avenues. It opened up her legs. <laughs> Fuck, uh, here's to you, Jennifer. You rock. <laughs> anyway, uh, good to hear from you, Wad. Always love catching up with uh, with uh, the the listeners. Because we, we wonder what's going on in your life. Yeah. You know, Give us a call, 323-522-4032. Uh, people, we're wrapping up the show here. And uh, as usual, we usually plug the Patreon again, because we plug it twice, just in case you forgot that we have one. But uh, we do an entire second show on the Patreon. Um, it's a whole show. We do it every week. We do a main show, and then we do a second show. And this week on Second Show, you can hear the lurid details of our weekend in Glasgow. Um, we got up to uh, some... I don't want to talk about it. These salacious details, actually, should not be aired in a public forum such as this. No, if you thought this episode was spicy, wait until you hear that. It is spicy. <laughs> so you can only hear these spicy details behind a $5 paywall. On the Patreon. It's to protect us people from legal proceedings. Exactly. Um, the format of the second show is a little bit different. You know, it's a little more like uh, loose, if you know what I mean. You know, we usually kind of hang out, a, little, a lot more personal. We always do a news story, though, too. I'll play phone calls. Or, or phone calls as well. Anyway, it's only five bucks a month. It's really not that much, if you think about it. Uh, $5 a month, you get all the, uh, the, the the Patreon benefits. And for a few bucks more, you can get access to the Sick and Wrong archives we, and, uh, and all the uh, archives of Overkill. So we do a whole uh, an extra mini-sode on the Patreon as well. Um, so go check it out, patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up, support the show. We do appreciate it, and it does keep us going. And if you want to buy some merch, a lot of people have been buying merch uh, recently, actually. I was kind of surprised. Um, you can go to the Tea Public store. We've got a got a few shirts up there. You know, I didn't do the bukkake shirt yet. We'll make the bukkake shirt. Well, I had it on the old, uh, what was that, the Red Bubble store, which I don't know if that's even still around anymore. Is it Enjoy Bukkake and the Coca-Cola font? And the Coca-Cola font, yeah. <laughs> it's good. It like two a, people would buy that, but that would be amazing if those doesn't, How many people do you think bought the Stinkor shirt? I think like one. <laughs> Just one JoJo. <laughs> anyway, com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope, and uh, it will magically transport you to the Tea Public store. Uh, finally, here's Sigurong Song of the Week. Well, we got to end the show here with the Osmonds. I demanded it. My foot came down. I've been throwing the rules at D this week, and one of the rules oh was we're playing the Osmonds. Though this song is rad. It's a great song. Crazy Horses is one of the probably... Top ten best been pop covered songs by so many, written. so many bands covered this song. But what's cool about this version is K. Rambo wants to play the slowed down version. So it's the forty five of the songs. What slowed down to thirty three? Yeah, and it's like, it's like a fucking metal song. The Wad will be playing this in his FLT. As yeah, he's you can rock about. this one. I mean, it's the original at the at the regular speed is an awesome song. But slowed yeah. down, it kind of goes into the doom metal territory. It's fucking brilliant. So uh, there's a site, Reverend33RPM, and he just kind of slows down 45s. 
Um, but he does a great job with the one with the Osmonds. It's my favorite. Um, Crazy Horses, a 1972 hit single by the Osmonds. It's the title track from the album The Same Name. Um, the song, Concept album. Which is the only hit record from the Osmonds to feature Jay as the lead vocalist. He's my favorite. He's got a great voice. I wish they'd let him sing more. But he's a fucking fantastic drummer. See, the thing about the Osmonds, I know they're just like a shitty Jackson 5 or whatever, but they are all really talented. I mean, Donnie plays... Donnie has a lifelong career. Yeah, and he plays bass chords. Like, people don't understand how hard it is to play the bass and sing, let alone to then play bass chords like what Lemmy does and then sing on top of it. And he's also like singing like totally different ranges. Dancing. It's fucking talented as shit. They're all talented as shit, these Mormons. <laughs> um, it reached number 14 on the U.S. Billboard uh, Hot 100, number two in the U.K. singles chart. Yeah, because we've got the better taste over here. Anyway, here's a slowed-down version of the Osmonds' Crazy Horses. People, we'll be back next week with episode uh, 856. Till then, take it sleazy. <laughs>
is being outed considered such a bad thing? When I find out someone is gay, my admiration for them increases tenfold. Well, not everyone. I still refuse to believe Liberace was gay. <laughs> I just don't want him to be. <laughs> him and Roy Cohn. It's like being told Satan's a fag. <laughs> Maybe that's why God's such a homophobe. <laughs> and Satan's so sexy. 